Welcome to Happened Here, people, places and the stories they tell. I'm Joanna Lumley, host of Episode 5, 17th and 18th century celebrity criminals, lovable rogues. What makes a rogue lovable? Our three dodgy characters, by their daring or charm, have enshrined themselves in popular folklore. Mary Young, a.k.a. Jenny Diver, immortalised in the song Mac the Knife. Jack Shepard, Mac the Knife himself, whose execution was witnessed by hundreds of thousands of Londoners. But first, Claude Duval, a notorious highwayman. Without further ado, let's begin. Hampstead Heath and Chandos Place and St Paul's Church, Covent Garden. The Highwayman of Hearts. Written by Olivia Bell, performed by Joanna Clark. During the reign of King Charles II, the only thing worse than being robbed by Claude Duval, it seemed to ladies of a certain class, was not being robbed by him. So dashing was the dark-haired young 17th-century highwayman that, they say, when a nobleman and his lady were held up in the dark of night with the immortal words, Stand and deliver, instead of swooning to the ground or setting in a panic, the lady took out a flute and played for Duval. Not to be outdone, the highwayman took out his own flute and played a merry duet before inviting her to dance a coranto. They danced right there on Hampstead Heath, Duval most gracefully despite his bulky riding boots, before the lady was returned to her carriage and £400 was demanded from her companion. A fee, you see for the evening's entertainment. Duval's charm, unfortunately, only extended to the ladies. On another occasion, he robbed Squire Roper, master of the royal bloodhounds, of 50 guineas before tying him to a tree. Born in rural France, Duval became a groom to English royalists exiled there during the English Civil War. When the throne was restored in 1660, Duval followed his employers to England, becoming footman to a nobleman. He absorbed aristocratic manners, how to woo ladies, what to wear, where to gamble, why style mattered. Appetite for women, waistcoats and whist grew, a lifestyle his day job could not sustain. Duval turned to haunting the heaths approaching London, boldly financing his fashionable tastes. Rarely, if ever, using violence, he was known as a true gentleman of the road. But it was in the city centre that the bright-eyed highwayman whined, dined and reclined with noblemen and thieves alike. And it was in the Hole in the Wall pub in Covent Garden's Chandos Place that, aged only 27, he was eventually captured, propping up the bar. Bleary-eyed, slurring his words and stumbling with drink, it was fortunate for the highwayman that no ladies were present to see him arrested in such a sorry state, and not even Duval could find a plausible excuse for why he was carrying three pistols and a sword. 
A small thing like a death warrant did not overly trouble Duval, as he was certain of an imminent pardon from the king, who he counted as an ally. Those ladies who had not been fortunate enough to have had an audience on horseback with Duval queued up in their finery for a few private minutes alone in his cell and petitioned the judge for his acquittal. But the judge threatened to resign if Duval's conviction was overturned and his fate was sealed. Scores more ladies of quality attended Duval's hanging at Tiber near Marble Arch in January 1670, wearing black lace masks of mourning, and it is said his body was laid in state in St Giles at the notorious Tangier Tavern. A myth, still widely perpetuated, claims that Duval was buried in St Paul's Church, Covent Garden, with a long-lost tombstone that read, Here lies Duval, Reader, if male thou art, look to thy purse, if female, to thy heart. Old Tyburn's glory, England's illustrious thief, Duval the lady's joy, Duval the lady's grief. Alas, the truth is that as a condemned criminal, Duval's body would most likely have been handed to a surgical college for dissection. A rather less salubrious end for our gentleman rogue, Sorry, ladies. About 30 years after Duval's execution, a little girl was born in Ireland, whose subsequent criminal career also depended in very large part on her gift of the gab and on her immense charm, and Covent Garden was her base too. Lodgings in Longacre and in and around Covent Garden the Pregnant Pickpocket with Four Hands, written by Olivia Bell, performed by Lulu Freeman. A dull, wet morning in Covent Garden in January 1726. A well-dressed young woman leaves lodgings in Longacre, treading unsteadily over the damp cobbles leading towards the piazza. She appears to slip. A young man, richly dressed in a gold-trimmed coat, hurries to help. She beams at him, her hands on her swollen pregnant belly. And then she's gone. And, unbeknownst to him until hours later, so too is his gold-plated pocket watch. That afternoon, a gentleman reading in his study just a few hundred yards away in Garrick Street is interrupted from his cup of tea by a commotion in the road. A young, pregnant, well-dressed woman has fainted outside his house and her male companion is frantically trying to revive her. The gentleman orders his servants to carry the unfortunate lady into his drawing room. Smelling salts are fetched. The lady makes a miraculous recovery. She and her companion are ushered out, gushing their thanks. And even if anyone suspected the pair of skullduggery, a cursory search of their pockets would not uncover the missing candlesticks. Were either of our poor victims to investigate our trickster's bump, however, it may have been another matter, for Jenny Diver is not pregnant. A false pair of gloved hands are sewn onto her fake hollow belly 
in which she hides her real slippery fingers and stashes goods stolen from her erstwhile saviours. Returning to their Long Acre lodgings, Jenny, her companion, and all her gang compare their day's takings, watch, candlesticks and all. Born Mary Young in Ireland around 1700, Jenny ran away to London aged about 15. Unable to support herself as a seamstress, she joined an infamous pickpocketing gang led by her landlady, a fellow Irishwoman. As an apprentice, she stood, Miss Slang all upon the safe. Underworld slang meaning to loiter near where the crew pilfered pockets, ready to receive stolen goods. Mary was a natural, and as she progressed, earned the nickname Jenny Diver. Diver being one of many slang words for pickpocket. Jenny went on to become expert at the theatrics involved in slanging the gentry malt ramley with a sham kinchin, picking a gentleman's pocket while pretending to be a woman big with child. Blessed with brains, good looks and charm, she became leader of the gang. A solicitor made about £178 a year at the time and a teacher £15. Jenny's gang made up to £300 a year each. But success leads to notoriety, which leads to getting caught. Several times when arrested, Jenny managed to slip free, giving the court false names. She was twice deported to Virginia in America before charming her way back. But even Jenny's luck had to run out, and she was eventually captured and charged with theft and returning after deportation. A capital offence. Jenny begged pardon from the deadly nevergreen, the gallows, on account of her pregnant condition. However, the game was up, and her excuses found to be as hollow as her belly. She was hanged at Tyburn in 1741. But Jenny Diver lives on in John Gay's Beggar's Opera, Kurt Weill's Threepenny Opera, and its song, Mac the Knife, where she takes her place alongside other shady denizens of Covent Garden. In real life, she left behind a three-year-old child. If Covent Garden was home to glamorous highwaymen, well-dressed but slippery-fingered female thieves, it is perhaps surprising that one of the best-known criminals today, immortalised in one of this century's most hummable songs, was also, at least to look at, one of the least prepossessing. The Black Lion Pub, Drury Lane, Covent Garden, various London jails and Tyburn. Someone sneaking round the corner. Written by Olivia Bell, performed by Zach Ghazi Torbati. Seventeen twenty-four, November sixteenth, Monday. A third of the population of London, 
200,000 people turn out to see Jack Shepard hang. Streets are packed. At 22, his life of crime has lasted less than two years. Shepard is no grand jewel thief, just a common burglar and pickpocket. But his spectacular escapes from jail have made him a folk hero. Born in 1702 to a poor family in the Spitalfields, London's underbelly, a fetid string of streets seething with prostitutes and petty criminals, Shepard cut his teeth as a carpenter in Covent Garden, where he learned his way around the sharp tools that became very useful after his career change. Short and skinny, Shepard's charm came not in his looks, but in his quick wit and larger-than-life personality. Warmly welcomed in the taverns of Drury Lane, he met his partner in crime, Elizabeth Lyon, known as Edgeworth Bess, in his favourite, the Black Lion Pub. In 1723, he started filching purses and progressed to burglary. Shepard was much better at stealing than at evading arrest, a much better escape artist than thief. He was jailed no fewer than five times in 1724. February. Locked up in a small jail for burglary, Jack escaped within two hours. May. Incarcerated for pickpocketing, along with Bess, in strong, well-guarded new prison, Clerkenwell, Jack used Bess's secreted file to saw off their fetters and remove crossbars from the window. Squeezing Bucks and Bess, then himself, through said window, they climbed 25 yards down to the ground by blanket rope. August. Sentenced to death at Newgate Prison for burglary, he loosened a bar in a grill between his cell and the corridor. While Bess and another prostitute distracted the guard, he removed the bar, wriggled through the grill, and donning woman's clothing, left with his visitors. October. Chained to the floor, in leg irons and handcuffs in the strong room of Newgate Prison, Jack picked his handcuffs and chains. In leg irons, he climbed a chimney and escaped through six locked doors onto the roof. Using a blanket, he climbed down onto the neighbouring roof, got into that house, descended the stairs, and left by the front door, still in leg irons. Alas, freedom would not last long. Too drunk to resist arrest less than two weeks later, Shepard was sentenced to be hanged at Tyburn. November. His last great escape was to have been from the gallows. In rare cases, it was possible to survive if the body was retrieved quickly after the requisite 15 minutes spent hanging. But Shepard's popularity was his downfall. The vast crowd, keen for their hero to avoid a painful, slow death, pulled on his legs to kill him faster. Shepard, that consummate survivor, escaped well past folklore, inspiring the character of Macheath in John Gay's 1728 The Beggar's Opera, adapted in 1928 into the Thrupney Opera. Its song about Macheath, or Mac, became a jazz standard. Both operas are unfair to Shepard, portraying him as a far more sinister and cutthroat criminal than he was. Both operas have been performed at the Royal Opera House in Covent Garden, just a knife's throw away from where Shepard prowled. And maybe some opera-goers, leaving through the darker alleys of Covent Garden, might indeed think... Someone sneaking round the corner Could that someone be Mac the Knife? Jack and Jenny are famous to this day thanks to that song. 
Claude Duval, meanwhile, has inspired a comic opera and hundreds of romantic highwayman novels. His story has been embellished, retold and reinvented, and apparently he now haunts a roadside inn and the pub in Covent Garden where he was captured. Hello, Olivia here. I had the pleasure of writing these stories on criminals. It was so much fun researching all the dodgy dealings that have gone on in Covent Garden. I'm a big fan of Mac the Knife, but I never knew so many of the people mentioned in it were real, and I take my hat off to their ingenuity. If you'd like to delve even deeper with us into the diabolical world of Covent Garden, why not visit happenedhere.com? But for now, from everybody involved in Happened Here, the writers, the hosts, the performers, thank you for listening. Do come again. We've got lots more stories to tell. Happened Here.